Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by frankandoak.com, where right now you can purchase an outfit, a pair of pants and a shirt, for 59 bucks. Head to frankandoak.com slash Canada to get that special offer. I'm still trying to get my facts straight about exactly what happened in Montreal. What happened with this case of the police spying on journalists and not just any journalists, but uh, the the most well-known investigative journalists in Montreal and one of the most well-known journalists, period, Patrick Legasse. So what I know is first this, this shocking headline that there have been just these multiple dozens of warrants to spy on the communications, on the GPS whereabouts of Patrick Legasse. And then we found out that many other journalists, uh, I think you'll hear in today's show eight, the number is now up to 10 journalists targeted with warrants for surveillance by the police, not because the journalists themselves were suspected of any crime, but because they have been suspected of being in contact with people who are themselves the targets of police investigation. That fact alone 
shocked me, is very strange. It is absolutely an assault on the press and the ability for the press to do their jobs if we are merely conduits of information and anyone speaking with us must reasonably assume that anything they say to us is being overheard by the police. That just makes it impossible for us to do our job. So just that fact alone burned really hot in the coverage. And then the fallout of that revelation, the police saying that they were just following the rules, they had done nothing wrong. The mayor of Montreal covering his ass, the province going the other way, saying that this is an outrage, they're going to do something about it. It went up to the prime minister, Justin Trudeau, saying that we need to protect the freedom of the press. And by the way, nothing like this has been happening at the federal level. So the political fallout of this surveillance has been the story. I still don't have a clear narrative. Why were they spying on all these journalists? Why were they allowed to do that? What are the precedents for that? What were the cops hoping to find? What was the actual investigation? Why has this become such a big deal? Is it the offense itself of spying on journalists, which the cops, again, say is perfectly all right, and it seems that a judge agreed with them? Or is it because they messed with the wrong journalist, a very famous journalist? Patrick Legasse is a big deal. I am no expert on the Quebec media, but all you need to do is look at the Twitter profile, which, I mean, tells you something. At a minimum, it tells you how many people have chosen to hear what this person has to say. And you'll see that he is over four times as popular as Andrew Coyne. Then he has only slightly fewer followers than, than Peter Mansbridge. Mansbridge has 239,000 people in the country. And Patrick Legasse has 220,000 people in Quebec alone following him. He's a mainstay on television. He is a something of a celebrity journalist at La Presse. So is that why this became a big deal? I mean, imagine if you found out that the cops were following Peter Mansbridge and tapping his phone. That might be interesting for other reasons. But in this case, what is going on here really? I want to find out. And I'm going to ask Patrick Legasse himself. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Josh Clavier, Kevin Cardoza, Steve Ehrenberg, Dave Mooney, Caroline Lubb, Darcy David Goforth, Tyler Rimstad, and Stephen Butler. Stephen, why did you decide to be awesome? Because Canaland gives me insight into Canadian media that I haven't found anywhere else. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what 
Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is also brought to you by frankandoak.com. I was not an easy sell on online clothing shopping, which is not because I so love shopping in menswear stores. In fact, I detest doing that. But I had a block about buying clothing without being able to touch it and try it on. Frank and Oak cured me of that block. Their stuff is stylish. It is well-priced. It fits well. And if you don't like it, you just send it back. Once you get over that block, your life becomes easier. You know that you can just buy clothing online and get clothing when you need it. And this is the best deal they have offered. They offered this deal for a while and then it was gone. It is back. It is the 59 bucks for an outfit, pants and a shirt offer. Guys, this is usually like $110 or more. People, this is the fastest growing menswear brand in North America. And now it has women's clothing as well. Go to frankenoak.com slash women to have a look at that collection. Go to frankenoak.com slash Canada if you are a guy or buying for a guy and you want to get an outfit for 59 bucks. Check it out. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at FreshBooks. FreshBooks makes cloud accounting software. Really, they become the accounting department for you if you are like me, running a small business, or if you are a freelancer, if you can't afford a full-time bookkeeper, if your operation does not have an accounting department, FreshBooks has you covered. They will save you so much time. Your invoices will look fantastic. You will get paid quicker. There are many payment options. People can pay with a Visa card. The whole thing is a breeze. It's a pleasure to use. It saves you time. It gets you your money faster. What more do I have to say? Check it out and try it out free for 30 days. FreshBooks.com slash CanadaLand. Use the offer code CanadaLand. And then when you do decide to become a customer, tell them that Canada Land sent you. You'll be doing us a favor. The brand new, fully redesigned FreshBooks. Go check it out. Finally, guys, I'm going to take just one more minute of your time before we get to the interview because this is the last episode of Canada Land during our annual crowdfunding campaign. I will not bother you for another year. All you will hear me say is, if you like what we do, please support us. So let me just make the case from where we stand right now. And where we stand right now is in just such a lucky and fortunate position because you guys have responded, so many of you. We have increased our funding by over 50%. We're able to do all sorts of new things now. We are going to pilot a few new podcasts and start a whole new series at some point this year. We're going to launch an apprenticeship program that will be paid. Of course, we hit our first goal, which is the ability to pay everybody here a lot better and hopefully retain the amazing people who work here. Thank you for your help with that. We have an investigative journalism fund. That is amazing. We are going to be doing long-term, in-depth reporting from some seasoned investigative reporters. We know some stories that we want them to look into. We are looking for more, and we can actually get into them in-depth thanks to you. So those of you who have stepped up to support us, you are allowing us this year to just grow this thing in all kinds of new directions that we're very excited about. But I am still going to ask the rest of you to kick in as well. We are very close to our next goal. If we can hit this next goal, this crowdfunding campaign, it will be amazing. And that goal is another producer here. How can I ask for this when you guys have already helped us get so much stuff that we need? I'm asking. If you listen to shows on other networks like on Gimlet, you'll hear like four producers named at the end of a podcast. That's how many people it takes to make those shows. Our shows have one producer, really like not even one producer because the producers here work on multiple shows. We do a lot with very little here. I want to get some support. I want to get new people in here. 
I want to just build out the team with a new wonderful member. We have wonderful rewards for those of you who do help us. We have t-shirts, we have mixtapes, we have a book coming out that if you help us at the $10 level, you will get our book when it comes out in May. And let me tell you something, all of those prices are going up as soon as this crowdfunding campaign is over. So please do this now. And let me add one further incentive. The next 10 people who support us at the $15 level or higher, which already comes with a book and a t-shirt and a poster or a mixtape, you will also get one free ticket to the Imposters' upcoming show at the Hot Docs Theatre, November 20th in Toronto, Degrassiland. This is going to be so much fun, guys. Degrassi is this like kind of overlooked Canadian phenomenon. It's been going on for decades now, and it has had a global impact. And we are looking at that not from like a fan's perspective per se, but from sort of a cultural analyst storytelling viewpoint. We have the creator of Degrassi, Linda Schuller, a former school teacher, coming for an interview. We have the germaphobes. The band's going to be covering the zit remedy. We're having stories and strangeness from the whole legacy of Degrassi. All of this is taking place at the Hot Docs Podcast Festival on November 20th. Tickets are like 23 or 26 bucks, depending on whether you're a Hot Docs member or not. But like I said, the first 10 people to support us at the $15 level or higher get a free ticket. Do it now. Go to patreon.com slash CanadaLand and I'll talk to you more about it in one year. Can you start at the beginning? I think we, we all received this news as a headline about spying, but this story goes back a long time. Uh, look, for, for a number of years, I, I've been doing occasionally stories about the Montreal Police Department and also Quebec Provincial Police. Um, I'm a general assignment columnist. I basically write about what I want, and this is a dream job, but I'm not an investigative reporter. But I know that the police stories that I did kind of uh, really brushed the police department the wrong way. I don't know what happened, I don't know why, but they decided that the first story that broke Monday of last week was in fact the second time that they'd spied on me, and I did not know that. They confirmed they had spied on me previously in December 2014. They spied on me for six months at the beginning of 2016, but also in 2014. Okay, you say that your stories uh, rubbed the cops the wrong way. Why would your stories have rubbed them the wrong way? Because... It was inside information about investigations that uh, they would have preferred that the details do not come uh, to light. There was this mole. He was working in the um, computer department, if I, if I remember correctly. His name was Ian Davidson. He took off with the list of every informant that the police had. As, as astounding as it sounds, it seems that, you know, one could just... Uh, download this very easily undetected and he left and he tried to sell it to um, organized crime figures i did not break that story but i explained how police were able to retrieve this material from ian davidson and i gave a lot of details and in my mind even though uh, people who talked to me were unauthorized to do it uh, in my mind it was a great story about how when police work is done at its best. It's always like a work of art because, you know, the means that they took to retrieve this information was really uh, breathtaking. And I, I always saw it in a positive light for the police, but they were really appalled that the, these details came out. Uh, they filed a, a criminal complaint with the Quebec police force, but they were never, never able to uh, find or um, try any of the sources who talked to me. That's one example. 
So I, I take your point that you're not simply a journalist who embarrasses the police and you're not an anti-police journalist. There's sort of uh, different sides to that. One is embarrassing how easy it was for this person to download that list of police informants. But the other part is the the incredible police work that was done to retrieve it and, and, and stop, I guess, all those people from getting assassinated. You know, sometimes I criticize the police. Sometimes I, I, I'll do stories where I explain police work. I don't work the police beat. I'll do it once in a while. Because you have to understand there's a witch hunt within the department to find out who speaks to journalists. Because, of course, I'm not the only journalist who gets inside information. Other reporters at my paper, at other outlets, I've also, through the years, revealed inside stuff that was embarrassing. For instance, a police commander went to an office party last December. Unlike every, you know, bona fide Montrealer who knows that the, you do not leave anything in view in your car in downtown, this police commander left his suitcase uh, on the back seat, uh, a suitcase in which there was sensitive information material, and his car got broken into. The suitcase was stolen. Of course, the police department did not issue a press release about that, but reporters found out about it, wrote about it, and again, there was a witch hunt. And when I mean witch hunt, police officers have been threatened uh, with the lie detector. They have a software that can uh, cross-reference phone numbers of journalists and phone numbers of police officers, and they try to see whom, who is speaking to whom. I believe also... In my case, for instance, I believe that they used criminal investigation tools to investigate police officers who were doing a disciplinary uh, offense. They go to great length to catch these leakers. They almost put more resources on finding the leakers than on disciplining the offenders sometimes in, in bad uh, stories and bad uh, behavior. Right. So it's sort of twofold. They they are both embarrassed by some of the journalism that's coming out, but the mere fact that police are providing information surreptitiously to journalists, that you guys have uh, the, uh, police informers, that's something that I could see the police being having zero tolerance that they're going to, you know, they don't want to rat on their ship. That is true, Jesse. But the thing is, when you balance the advantages of w launching a witch hunt like that, because it costs a lot of people. I mean, to monitor my phone, I mean, there's a lot of resources and it's a lot of, of money. It's a lot of time. You got a big brain trust to uh, to get to this uh, warrant. So police officers on the inside are telling me that, you know, they have difficulty having resources to try and find people who do quote-unquote real criminal acts so of course the police can can start a witch hunt to find out everybody who's talking but meanwhile they don't put these resources elsewhere and in the grand scheme of things i mean it's not true that uh, police officers willingly endanger lives or willingly endanger investigation by talking to journalists oftentimes the, 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 the investigation is over. To me, it's all a matter of finding who is embarrassing the department. Well, in your scenario that this is a witch hunt, the, uh, the cops who are giving journalists information are the witch. But I wonder if you were not a target yourself. I won't ask you to uh, you know blow your own horn here, but you're a very prominent journalist in Quebec. And uh, you know, I could just see on Twitter you've got 223,000 people following you. That dwarfs just about any journalist in the English media in Canada. And, and you operate in, in one province. Do you think that you were singled out because of your stature in the Quebec media? No, I don't think so. If they wanted to single out someone, 
they would have singled out uh, real investigative reporters. And I insist on real because, you know, people think I'm some kind of Bob Woodward. I'm not. They are real investigative journalists in this province, in this city. You know, I hold in high regard. I think that they just targeted me because some of the stories I did really, I guess, pissed them off. I guess it was a matter of opportunity. I guess that the right conditions were in place when they decided to spy on me. I believe it could have been about anyone else. What I think they failed to understand is that <clears throat> if they were ever to get caught, the, the fact that I'm well known would compound the stupidity of their act. I do a TV show also on TV every week. I've been on TV uh, for, 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 for like 12 years. I got outlets, I got Twitter and stuff like that. Uh, La Presse is a huge, huge canon when you start doing opinions. When they thought about the consequences, they should have thought that this would be compounded by the fact that I'm well known. But obviously, I think that they simply did not think about anything when they decided to spy on me. And uh, at the Quebec police force, uh, same mentality, I guess, when they decided to spy on other journalists. Yeah, so your stature, you think, should have been a disincentive uh, not to try to make an example out of you. Because, I mean, it would be incredibly stupid if that was the case because it backfired and, and your your prominence has made this an international story. Yes, but I don't think that they, they thought this through, really. There's been a lot that's come out just recently um, about uh, someone else who, who your work may have embarrassed, not the police, but uh, but the mayor of Montreal. Yes. It's baffling to think that it may be something so petty, but you wrote about a traffic ticket uh, that he may or may not have been able to uh, try to use some influence to get out of paying I guess he did pay it, but you were just looking into this. Let me correct you. I never wrote about it. I never wrote about the ticket. I made checks. I did. I, I wanted to find out if it was true or not. Like the rumor had it within the police department. He had not paid his ticket. He had, you know, pulled some strings in order not to pay it. Got the ticket before he was mayor. <clears throat> this rumor starts within the police ranks after he becomes mayor. And that's the irony of it. All of this, you know, ticket thing blew up. Uh, I find out that after he's, he's, the mayor has, has turned to his police chief to ask, you know, is this legal? They started another witch hunt, a criminal investigation to find who, who would talk to me. And the irony is that they had me surveilled through my phone. Again, they went, they went pe peeking into my phone records. But I never wrote about the story because it wasn't true. He had paid his ticket. This is the the, the, the irony of it. He had paid it. But but if I have my facts right about how this all happened, you, of course, as you say, you, you, you never wrote the piece about the mayor not paying his parking ticket. But he found out about it when, when you contacted him for his comment, for his side of it. And that's when he learned that you knew about this. Yes. And here's where we get to the side of things. Uh, who knew what? Does this go up to the mayor's office? Did he order the police to survey you? We know that he called the police chief right after that, and he says, well, I never instructed them to spy on Patrick Lagasse, but I, I can kind of infer from that if an angry mayor, he says he was just a citizen calling the police to see what was going on. <laughs> yes. But the mayor calling the, the chief of police is not the same as me calling my local uh, police station. He's saying, how the hell does this journalist have this information about me? Is it possible that's what triggered the surveillance of you? Um, look, uh, what I know for a fact is that, you know, when when the mayor 
Or, or in, if you go at the provincial level, when the public safety minister turns to the police chief, and in Montreal, the police chief calls the—I'm sorry—the mayor calls the police chief his police chief. Of course, it puts huge pressure on everybody in the organization. Of course, it's not a normal request because it is whatever he says or does not say. The simple fact that he addresses the issue is political pressure, and this, to me, exemplifies that there needs to be a higher China wall between the political side and the police. Uh, those two should not mix so easily because the mayor has huge sway over the police department. You know, he, he, he is leading the appointment process for the police chief. If the mayor wants him out at the, at the, the end of his five-year uh, term, of course the guy is not going to be renewed. And and the mayor has sway over the city council, which oversees the, the budget and stuff like that. So for, for the mayor to turn around like this and pretend he, it's just the citizen inquiring to the police chief, I mean, is a bit disingenuous. 24 warrants issued uh, to spy on you. And the cops say, we didn't do anything wrong. We went through the proper channels. We, we got permission from the judge. The judge signed the warrants. Is that the problem? Because some people are looking at the judiciary and that judge's decision and looking at her career and her ties to law enforcement and wondering if she interpreted the law properly. I mean, maybe is, should we be looking towards uh, higher than the cops? Yes, but part of the issue is that, you know, the, the judges, <clears throat> and we want that as a society, are pretty autonomous, you know. You you can't really reprimand them for something like that. But I think that you touch the core of the issue. The police has acted stupidly. On the other hand, judges let them do it. Uh, Jesse, I thought that in this country, you know, if judges were to receive a request like that to spy on journalists in any shape or form, be it, you know, peek through their phone records or, or install DNRs on their phone lines and stuff like that, or even in my case, in, my, in the case of Vincent Larouche, another fellow reporter at La Presse, ask and obtain a wiretap warrant, which they say they did not use, I thought that judges faced with such demands in this country would basically laugh the policemen uh, out of their chambers. Well, it seems that it's much more easier than we thought, and this to me is a frightening thought, because in a democracy, judges are a very useful and very strong uh, safeguard about you know the abuse of the state. But in this case, I think a lot of people uh, did not think this uh, these uh, requests very very thoroughly. Now you bring up that you are not the only journalist targeted. How many do we know of now? Is it seven or is it more than that? I, I, if I'm not mistaken, there are six that were spied on through their phone records at uh, the, by the Sûreté du Québec that took place in 2013, and they went back in time, in some cases, up until five years in the past. In the case of the Montreal police, it was me and another fellow reporter who was the target of uh, only a, um, a wiretap warrant. So so that would make us eight, if I'm not mistaken, in the province. And, you know, I see a lot of uh, guys and girls doing great, great work covering police, and they officially have not been targeted, and I have much difficulty believing that they were not. So do you think that this is a more widespread problem, the fact that they... I mean, we have cases in Canada going back of police spying on journalists without court permission. So, uh, you know, th th these are only the legitimized cases. Do you have, uh, do you suspect that, that surveillance of, of journalists is more widespread than, than we even know just yet? 
What is starting to pop out is how easy it is when they're interacting on an informal basis with people within telecommunication companies, uh, how easy it is to obtain information that they will never present in court but that they would use for their investigation. Be it, you know, I've heard these stories not about journalists, but about, you know, citizens. So if this is done informally and, and it goes under the radar, I would suspect it's much more widespread. And even when it's official, there's no, I mean, there's no registry of what cops have asked of judges in terms of warrant. And if you, like in one case, the case of December 2014, the first time they spied on me, they led their investigation, but they did not press charges. If it weren't for the controversy, if they weren't for the scandal, I would never have learned that in December 2014, they, uh, they spied on my phone records. So how many other stories like that uh, are, are, are sleeping somewhere? You know, hearing myself talking to you right now, I feel paranoid. If I myself had heard uh, me saying this two weeks ago, uh, I would have said, you know, I'm ready for the uh, tinfoil act. I'm speaking like a conspirationist. But now I think that being paranoid is a very, very sane thing for a journalist in this country because it can happen. Well, yeah, I mean, 24 warrants, uh, you know, wiretap warrant, GPS whereabouts. I mean, it's it's about as intrusive, uh, you know, a gesture from the state into your business as you could imagine. Indeed. And, you know, we call it a scandal. The province is launching an inquiry. The prime minister has uh, expressed his outrage. And there seems to be some kind of recognition from civil society and from elected officials that this shouldn't have happened. And yet the police say, well, we followed all the rules and this is exactly right. And and some people are quick to point out there are, are no specific protections uh, saying that uh, journalists are off limits. The, the Supreme Court has, has issued a number of decisions where, where they reaffirmed, you know, freedom of the press, reaffirmed the special relationship that journalists have with their sources. And what I think, Jesse, is that these principles are protected and valued when you're dealing with open court in open chambers, when everybody is looking. But behind closed doors, when they're issuing their warrants, when the police are writing their warrants, nobody's watching. Who's going to know? So that's the thing. And, and that's where I'm in a wait and see position towards what the province uh, is, is setting up in terms of an inquiry uh, commission. But the province, to me, has adopted the right tone. There are good measures. You know, if a police officer now, now wants to spy on a journalist, he has to go through a crown attorney. Can't just take this decision himself, interpret the law as he sees fit. He has to go through a crown attorney. And I think that now it, it will be the end of, you know, shopping around for a judge until you found a justice of the peace who will uh, sign off on this. It opens up a can of worms that maybe isn't uh, in the focus of this conversation, but if those kinds of standards are put in place, I'm sure it would cover a journalist like yourself from La Presse. I wonder if I would be considered a journalist or anybody from, I don't know, iPolitics to to uh, the Halifax Examiner to Vice. Uh, you know, we're, we're really playing with what, what the conception is or what the legal definition is. How does this affect your ability to do your job and how does this affect the ability for these explicitly investigative reporters to do their jobs? I mean, you rely on people giving you information and feeling like they can trust that you won't give up their identity and that, and that their identities won't be surveyed by the cops or anyone else. Are you still receiving confidential information from sources? This seems to basically destroy 
the flow of information from sources to journalists. Uh, I feel more vulnerable when a source asks to speak with me than I did before I knew about this. Do you feel that way? Yeah, here's what I I, uh, noted in the past uh, days, okay? Uh, And that's my experience, and and that's the experience of of, uh, other reporters. A lot of people will get cold feet, but a lot of people who were already talking to uh, these reporters will be really shocked and appalled by what the police department has done. And... uh, this will motivate them to speak more. So as a whole, I think that it's, uh, you know, it will um, open some people's eyes to the importance of speaking to journalists. But I will not deny that some people got cold feet. And that's exactly the, the goal is to make an example. I mean, they, they, they don't care about freedom of the press. It doesn't register into their uh, uh, calculus when they decide to launch an investigation. What they would really like to do is fire a police officer because he spoke to a journalist. Try him in, in criminal court to make an example. That's this. That's the target. That's the. That's the idea. If they could just do that, and I'm telling you, they're really paranoid. If they could do that, they feel that uh, they would send a strong message. So people are talking to us at great risk. What I do right now, because Jesse, there's also a a moment of clarity. Uh, a teaching moment for journalists, protect your communications. I was using encrypted uh, apps, but only on a punctual basis. Now I use it for day-to-day communication with as many people as I can. What's your OPSEC? Uh, I, I use uh, GPG tools, you know, pretty good privacy encryption for emails. But as you say, on a discretionary basis, maybe I should do that uh, as a rule. Red phone uh, there's a lot of journalists listening right now. Red phone for encrypted phone communications. What do you use? In my case, what I did, the first one that I had was Telegram. Uh, and then I started researching and the, the, the people at, in, at The Intercept, Snowden, uh, they hold um, this app called Signal in high regard. So I figured if it's good for Snowden, it's good for me. <laughs> right. you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a techie guy. I'm not a geek. I did some research, and it appears that Signal is the device that has the most security right now. And I use it for texting, and I use it for phone conversations. And, uh, you know, I have a very strong uh, eight-number passcode on my phone. Patrick, thank you very much. No, thank you very much. Thank you for your interest. That's your Canada Land Show. I hope you enjoyed it. You can email me at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read them all. I respond when I can. We're on Twitter at CanadaLand. Our website is canadalandshow.com and our crowdfunding site. Go to it. Patreon.com slash CanadaLand. And thank you if you do. The Imposter will be up on Wednesday. Shortcuts goes out on Thursday. I make this show with Katie Jensen. Syndication is handled by Russell Gregg. If you like what we do, please support us. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to 
And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.